You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. So today, I'm not going to keep you a long time. This is our special Christmas message celebration, and I'm just thankful for this time of year that we get to see family and eat good food and, and give presents to people and honor people and just remember what it's about. So I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about the wise guys, um, or the wise men. But did you know that you probably think there were three wise men, but the Bible doesn't say anywhere in there that there were three of them. It just says there were wise men. And I looked and I was thinking, why do I think there's three? And I kept looking and I looked in all different places and Nowhere in the Bible does it say there was three of them. We assume there was three because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we think, oh, then there must have been three guys. But if the wise men were like most of the Christians, um, there were probably six or eight of them, and only three of them were givers. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, So there might have been a whole lot more than just three of them actually gave. Okay, so... My bad. All right, we got that straight. Okay. Truth. Oh, speaking of sad news and like percentages and stuff like that, because that is a pretty sad percentage that I just gave you. Um, But I heard that Walmart will be closing 269 stores in 2019. Putting now here's the sad. Here's the sad part of that. Right. They're closing 269 stores. That's going to put 14 cashiers out of work. <laughs> um, there was a Walmart. The, did y'all hear about the Walmart man? The mysterious mystery man. This is actually pretty cool. Uh, he went into Walmart And he asked, went back to the service desk, and he asked how many layaways, like how many people have set up layaways for Christmas. And so they're like, a lot. And he said, okay, I want to just be anonymous. I don't want anybody to know who I am, but I'd like to pay off everybody's layaway. They're like, everybody? He said, everybody in this whole store. Uh... So he ended up paying a little over $29,000 and paid off every single layaway so that when people came to pay their payment on their layaway, they were told, oh, it's paid for. Came to pay for my kids' two bicycles to pay that $20 more on it. They said, oh, it's paid for. You want to go ahead and take them? Just as a blessing, an anonymous blessing. That's pretty cool. Why are you talking about this? Because as I start out the message, I want to remind you, don't lose the joy. Remember the reason for the season. What can you give? We get so in the mindset of what can I get, or is this going to be fun for me, or am I going to get those cookies I like, or what can I get? But I want to ask you this morning to think about what can I give? What can I give to somebody? Maybe you don't have any money. That's okay. Maybe you need to give some time or a hug or a smile or or it's not always about money. What can I give? Ask yourself that this morning and think, what could I give to somebody else? Not what can I get? Why do we give gifts on Christmas to each other when it's Jesus' birthday? Why Why do we give gifts? We give gifts to mimic our God who gave the greatest gift of all. We want to look like Him. We want to be like Him and act like Him. And and what does love do but give? Love gives. And when we look at God, we see that He gives to us and He gave us the most valuable thing He had. He gave His Son. And so we want to look like Him. So we give gifts. We give gifts back to God. We give gifts to each other. So We're just mimicking God. We're just looking like our dad. And the more generous we are, the more we look like him. 
He gave the greatest gifts. We honor Him by honoring each other with presents and gifts. And He gave the greatest gift ever. Look at Luke. We're going to read Luke 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I wonder if Trump's thought of that. The whole world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea. Unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Yeah, you think? Might have had something to do with that donkey ride. I mean, she's nine months pregnant, and uh, they're going to ride a donkey for 80 miles. I don't know any of y'all that have been around a, a pregnant woman that's getting pretty close to the end, but to talk her into going on an 80-mile donkey ride, I don't think Mary would have been in a very good mood. We like to read the story about how, how sweet. And then they just went from over there. They went from Galilee over there to Bethlehem. 80 miles on a donkey. They probably averaged about two and a half miles an hour. It probably took them, most people believe it took them between four to ten days, depending on how many times that Mary and the donkey needed to stop. I feel real sympathy for Joe. All right, so we can agree that Mary probably wasn't happy or definitely wasn't in a good mood. And she rode Joseph's donkey all the way. They get there, 80 miles, and, okay, look at seven. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Well, that was easy. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Jesus brings us the gift of joy. The angels show up, the heavens open up, and the first thing they say is, hold on, don't be afraid, fear not. I know you're scared, but I'm bringing you tidings of great joy. This is joy. That was the gift. That's what Jesus brought. Jesus was coming to take care of sin and give us relationship with God to bring us joy, to bring us strength. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The kingdom of God is not bread or meat, the Bible tells us, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So, if we call ourselves kingdom people, we should have joy. When people look at our lives and our families and look at how we act, we should be joyful. We should have joy if we're truly living and walking in the kingdom. So let me ask you today, do you have joy personally in your life? Is there joy? If I were to look in from the outside looking in, would I say, man, there's some joy there? I didn't say, are all your circumstances perfect? Have you ever been through anything hard? I said, do you have joy? Bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the good people that do it right. To all people. 
Read verse 11 and we'll talk for a minute. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. I think that's cool. In the city of David. And they came to shepherds first. See, no doubt David would have been a hero to to these shepherds. Because David was like arguably the greatest king and the greatest warrior that Israel has ever known. And he started out as a shepherd. No shepherd had ever been as successful as David. No shepherd was as bad as David. So David would have been their hero. David was, you know, started from the bottom, now we're here. That's David. He was like us, dude. He was born, he was a shepherd too. So that would have been their hero. So I love that the angels show up, heaven busted open, and the angels say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, your hero, your rock star, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. So picture them on that mountainside. There were no streetlights. There was no big city. It was dark. It was peaceful. It was quiet. And then, boom, bright lights, heavens open, and it was pretty scary. Well, how do you know it was scary? Because we just read it in the Bible and said they were sore afraid. It means they were really scared. And then the very first thing the angel choir said, they didn't start singing or anything. They just said, don't be afraid. They were scared. Fear not. And what was the main message? Joy. We bring joy to the world. You don't have to live in death and sin anymore because Jesus is here. The greatest gift is here. Joy to the world. That was their gift. Why? Because we need joy. In an overly offended generation, we need joy now more than ever. Somebody gets offended and upset and I don't have joy. And I need as this went wrong and that happened that we need joy now more than ever. Joy is our strength. The Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what makes you strong. I don't want to run around and try to live life weak. I want to be strong, so what do I need? Joy in the Spirit. I need joy if I want to be strong. If I want to be powerful in the kingdom of God, I must have joy. So how do I have it? How do I activate joy in my life. I think the problem is that we confuse happiness and joy. We get them mixed up. We think it's the same thing in our mind and it's not. Happiness and joy are two different things. See, happiness is external. Happiness has to do with your circumstances. Happiness has to do with I got my bills paid and now I'm happy. Or I good everything's going right in my life, and so now I'm happy. But guess what? I'm here to tell you that that ain't going to last. Because you're going to go through storms, and you're going to have good things happen in your life, and bad things happen in your life, and you're going to lose people, and you're going to have... it. If you're counting on the things that happen to you to make you happy or to be your source of happiness then you're going to be on a roller coaster ride. You're going to be happy at some points in your life, and you're going to be upset at some points in your life, and it, you're not going to have joy. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Joy comes from inside, ultimately from Jesus, from Him being inside of you, that light, the anointing, the Christ that came to light every man, Scripture tells us. That's the joy. That comes from the inside. Paul talks about it the most. If you go read Paul's letters, it's all throughout Paul's letters. We're going to look at a couple of those in a minute, a couple of of spots where Paul brings it up. But it's not about what's going on out here. Real joy is about what's going on in here or in here. Joy. Real joy is internal. Look what Paul said in uh, Philippians 1.3. Philippians 1, 3, 3, 3 through 6. 
I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. It's like I'm always thanking God for you with joy. And ever since I first met you all the way until now, you're such a blessing to me. And verse 6, being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not giving up on y'all. I'm praying for y'all. I'm full of joy. And every day I pray for you ever since I first met you until now. And, and it, God that started the good work in you, he's going to finish it. You might have had some hang-ups or some setbacks, but that's okay. You know where Paul wrote this letter from? In prison. In the worst prison there was in that day. In the Mamertine prison, he was chained up between two guards sitting there probably in a pit where the septic ran through. His circumstances weren't good. He was wrongfully accused. He was thrown in jail. He had been beaten. He had, he's going through all these things and he's sitting in a prison writing about how much joy he had and how he was just couldn't stop thanking God for them, for, for what they were doing in the kingdom. We get upset if we can't find a good parking space. Lose our joy. Well, that's not joy. That was happiness. You were happy. Happy, happy, happy. You ever heard YOLO? You only live once. I heard people say that. that YOLO. Well, I disagree with that. I think you only die once. You get to live every day. You only die one time. But every single day we get to choose. You know if your parachute doesn't open up? You got the rest of your life to figure it out. <laughs> you get to live every day. Some of us quicker than others. What am I talking about? It's a bad situation sometimes. We find ourselves in bad situations, but it's not over. That's what makes sports so interesting. Not over till it's over, right, Georgia fans? Hold your laughter. <laughs> they can always come back, even if it looks like it's over. They're, it's not over until the fat lady sings. She has the final say. Ever heard that? <laughs> it ain't over till the fat lady sings. There's a guy that um, I met at the gym in Carrollton, and he was like really depressed and upset after the SEC championship game, and he's from Brazil. He's a cage fighter that came here to get famous and didn't. But uh, now he works a regular job, but he's a nice guy, and he seems to be a pretty tough guy. But uh, he's usually always in a really happy mood. Well, he was really upset and not very happy. The gym, and I'm like, man, I wonder what's going on with him. And I talked to him a little bit. Well, long story short, and I won't try to do his accent for you because Jesse makes fun of it. I told her the story in the accent, so I'll just tell you what he said without you doing the accent. But uh, he told me that he placed a bet that Georgia would beat Alabama for $1,700. And I was like, what, seven, like 1700 You say $17? He said, no, man, $1,700. And in the third quarter, the guy that I had the bet with, he called me when Georgia was winning. And I started laughing at him on the phone. And I said, I got you, man. And he said, I called to see if you want to up the bet to an even 2000 and he said, I feel too bad. We're beating you. And the guy said, Bama's coming back. You want to make it an even 2,000 or not? And so I said, okay. He said, then I called my fiance and told her, since we got no family in Georgia, we're going to Miami for Christmas. I book a room and I made us a, got us a place to stay and we're going to live it up. 
and I'm going to buy her these presents, and I told her I was going to buy her this necklace and all this stuff. And then he said, right about then was in the fourth quarter, and I hung up the phone with my fiance, and you know what happened. He said, I had to call her back and tell her, I'm sorry, we're not going to Miami. I'll be working for Christmas. And he said, and that's what I'm doing. We're not having presents because I got to come up with $2,000. Dude was upset. You can always come back. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Some of you feel like in your life that you've, you've passed the point, like, or that you messed it up, or that somebody else messed it up for you, or that you've gone too far, or you can't have joy because of decisions you've made, or decisions that have been made for you, or the family that you've been born into, or the family that you've chosen through marriage and other things. Like You feel like it's too late, like it's too far gone that you've met. It's not true. That's not where joy comes from. Joy doesn't come from circumstances. It's not over. How did Paul live this way? Because Paul had some pretty bad things happen to him. Paul had some people abuse him and hurt him and beat him and wrongfully accuse him. And guess what? Paul also did some really bad things. Probably worse than any of you. Paul murdered countless Christians. Paul assisted in the murders. of. He held jackets while they threw rocks at people's skulls until they died. I don't think any of you have been that violent. If you have, don't sign up for the nursery, please. We're going to check. So, not only has Paul had a lot of bad things happen to him, Paul's also made a lot of bad decisions of his own. He's chosen the wrong way. He's chosen sin, anger, all kind of stuff. But yet, Paul finds a way to still have joy. Paul finds a way to write two-thirds of the New Testament to be the leader of the church, of the Jesus followers, the, the voice, if you will. Of Christianity. How? Read 2 Corinthians, another one of his letters. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Look at this. Paul wrote this. Let's read 16, 17, and 18. For which cause we faint not. We faint not, or we don't give up. But though our outward man perish... Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He's like, yeah, my outward man is falling apart. It's perishing. My body is whatever. The outward man perish. I'm thrown in prison. I'm beaten. I'm whatever. I got a bad knee. My back's hurting. But guess what? That's okay. Because my inward man, the joy, the Christ that's inside of me, it's renewed every day. Day by day by day, it gets better, it gets stronger, it gets bigger. I'm excited for what God's doing. And the more I see, the more I know, and the more joy I get. He's like, it's renewed day by day. For our light affliction, it's light. It ain't that bad. Oh, Lord, you don't have no idea how bad my life is. You don't know what I had to go through last week. Oh, man, I guess it's reaping what I sow. You just see my youngest kid and what God's making me pay for my childhood. Look at Paul. Paul's gone through all kind of stuff, and Paul said it's light. Our light affliction is not a big deal. Which is but for a moment. It's, it just flashes by. Yeah, some bad things are going to happen, but keep moving forward. Don't let it knock you off course or wreck your life. It's just a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Let it work. It can make you stronger. It can grow you. It can teach you. It can guide you. If you learn how to have joy through those hard times, Paul's like, just let it work. It's just a minute. 
it seems like a long time right now because you're stuck in it. And, you're, and it's all you can see, but if you could just take a step back and look and see, yeah, it's a problem, and yeah, it's bad, and I'm not taking away from bad things and hard times, but, but Paul's trying to say it's just a minute in the grand scheme of things. Even if it was a few years, it's still just a minute when you step back and look at your hundred years of life or a thousand years from now in eternity. Like It was just a minute. Did you have joy? Did you show Christ? Did you, did you give? Or were you just looking for somebody to give something back to you? Eternal weight of glory, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen. Paul's saying, stop looking at what you can see with your eyes. But at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're, they're passing away. They're going to be gone. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul's saying stop focusing on happiness and focus on joy. Stop focusing on the external things so much and focus on the internal things. Because then no matter what happens... On the outside, you can have joy. You're okay. You can shine a light. Remember, Paul said in another place, I can do all things through Christ. The light, the anointing, the Christ that's inside of me, the joy that's inside of me. I can do all things through that Christ, which gives me strength, which strengthens me, gives me the strength to walk through anything. I can do it all. Happiness is based on circumstances. The root word where we get the word happiness is hap. And it means circumstance or luck. If I'm lucky, I'll be happy. If everything turns out right and the circumstances are all good, I can have happiness. No, that's not the kind of life I want to sign up for. I don't want to depend on luck, whether I'm happy or not. I want to depend on circumstances. No, I want to have real joy that comes from within. Happiness is based on chance. Joy is based on choice. What I choose for my life, who I choose to call Lord, what I choose to focus on. Happiness based on chance. Joy is based on choice. I choose joy. I choose to praise, we sang a few minutes ago, to make a joyful noise. Psalms tells us, make or manufacture a joyful noise, whether you feel like it or not. Choose to praise. I choose to make a joyful noise. I will rejoice and be glad in it. David said, focus on what God has done for you, not what happened to you. Focus on the things that God's done for you. The fact that He gave you a place in His family. The fact that if He never did anything else but gave His Son for you, that's enough. If He never healed you or delivered you or set you free or helped you get the right job or brought you a spouse, and for some of you that's a miracle. If he never did anything else but gave his son, that's enough. And he keeps doing, keeps doing, keeps doing. Why? Because we're his kids and he just loves to see us smile, loves to see. I've bought Malachi, Titus, and Sky all Christmas presents. Now that I think about it, every year they've been alive. And now here again, I'm giving them another present. Why? Well, I already gave you a present, so that should... No, I still, because they're my kids. And I love seeing their faces light up, and I love them, and I want to give to them. And God's the same with you. He keeps blessing you and giving you things and helping you walk through these doors and stuff because you're His kid, not because you earn it. Where we get confused is we think that stuff 
is the way to happiness. To having more things. Or that I have a bigger car or a better house, then I could finally be happy. Or if I had a different job, then I could be happy. If I was the boss or if I just had more stuff or if I had more clothes or if I had six or eight more pairs of shoes, then I could really be happy. And There's just a couple more things I need to check off my list so that I could actually be happy. Problem with that is you're just chasing happiness and you're trying to get more stuff to make you more happy and it's a never-ending cycle. We've been taught that more is better and that's not the case. See, we think more is better. More money, more stuff, more girls, more fame, more whatever. We, more is better, more is better. I'm here to tell you today it's not. We think bigger is always better. Bigger is better. Bigger, 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 bigger. More, 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 more. Sometimes yes. And sometimes no. Let me ask you a question. Who is the world's biggest tire producer? Anybody got a guess? Goodyear, Michelin, Bridgestone. Nope, no one's got it yet. Walmart, nope. The world's biggest tire producer currently, it's not even close. None of the ones you named are even close. It's Lego. They make 306 million tires a year. I mean, they're about that big, but still, it ain't even close. Michelin, Goodyear, while well, all of them put together, they ain't putting out the 306 million tires a year. So Lego is officially the largest tire producer in the world today. Huh? Say you don't learn anything in church. You can go put that on Facebook later. Bigger's not always better. More isn't always better. It just depends. More muscle? Yes, that is better. More fat? No. Maybe not better. More love? Yes. More hate? No. More kids? Yes. More kids? No. You see what I mean? <laughs> Bigger's not better. More's not better. It, it just depends. Uh, Nate learned this concept when we were kids about candy. More's not always better. He had a candy addiction. All right, and... You know, if you don't know, I'm the oldest of 10 siblings, and we all got a big bag of candy for Halloween at the, at the church thing, probably. We weren't allowed to trick-or-treat because there's razor blades and apples, and we don't even like apples. We wanted candy, but people apparently, according to my parents, that told the sheltered homeschool kids that... Halloween is the night that devil worshipers snatch up kids and sacrifice them and their pets and stuff. So we were scared to go anywhere but church. So we got our little bags of candy from church, and ah, uh, Pat and Jeannie are offended. <laughs> they helped plan that. <laughs> Dang. Uh. So the only candy we were allowed to have is what we got from the church thing, you know? So we got our candy, and we came home, and we didn't get a whole lot of candy throughout the year. So we all had our bags of candy, and Nate was stealing the candy, and we weren't allowed to just eat the candy. You know, of course, we had to ask permission to have a piece of our own candy out of our own bag. So my mom would take it all up and put it on a shelf to put it up to keep it safe. So Nate could just go steal it all. 
right? And so when my dad and mom found out about that, then dad takes all the candy and dumped it in a big banana box and said, sorry, all of y'all lost your candy. Now we're giving it as a gift all to Nate. He owns all the candy. And they gave him the whole box of candy and said, you can eat as much as you want, however much you want, whenever you want. And nobody else can have any unless they ask you or you want to give them some. Well, hey, Nate, can I get a piece of candy? Nope. It's all mine. Dude started eating candy, and I don't know what time, but he ate candy pretty much all day. He wasn't even really hungry for dinner and ate candy. And then guess what? Guess who laid in his bed crying that night with a stomach hurting and feeling sick and upset stomach and hurting. And, and the next day, we all got candy. He decided to share because he learned a valuable lesson that night. More's not always better. Bigger's not better, just more, more, more. But we Americans have been taught that more, 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 bigger, 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 better, better, better. That's the only way to be happy is I got to get a better vehicle. I got to get a bigger house. I got to get more money. I got to get another promotion. I got to get another raise. And more, 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 more. And we climb this ladder of success only to reach the top in our old age and realize the ladder was leaned against the wrong building. What? That ain't. I was told that this was happiness. And we look over and joy's over there. We had our ladder leaning against the wrong building. We were climbing the success ladder thinking that it was going to bring us happiness. Solomon said it this way. Look what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4.6. Solomon says it like this. Here, let me show you with this candy. Look at this. Nice big giant bowl of Reese's right here. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, Better is an handful. An handful. This is an handful. Better is an handful with quietness or peace saying better that i have one handful of candy with peace and know that this is my candy and it's okay and i earned it and better is a handful with quietness or peace than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit so solomon the wisest man to ever live he's saying hey more's not always better it's better to have one handful and have peace. Then have two handfuls full. I gotta get more, more. I need more candy. I gotta have more. There's two handfuls. Oh no, maybe I can hold one more piece. Let me try to squeeze it in. No. The wisest man that ever lived said it's better to just have one handful, dude. The NIV says that, says it like this. Listen how the NIV words it. Says it like this. Better one handful with tranquility. Then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You better to have one handful than, than two handfuls. And that's what somebody that thinks more is better. Got to have more. Got to have more. Got to get more stuff. Got to get better stuff. It's like you're chasing after the wind, Solomon said. You're never going to catch it. You're just running around chasing after some dreams of something that's never... You're just chasing after stuff. You're, you're chasing after the wind. Have you ever chased the wind? It's quite frustrating. You lose track of them. You can't find them. You, he embarrasses you. It's pointless. What's he saying? Stuff doesn't matter. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. What matters is what you did with the stuff. What'd you do with it? Uh, like, who did you help? Some people's love languages, we talked about that last week. Gifts, gift giving. Giving gifts, that's, that's some people's love language. That's how they receive love. Love gives. 
So you can use stuff to show your love for somebody else. You can use your time, your talents, your treasure, your stuff that God's given you. But if you don't learn to use stuff, it will use you. If you don't use your stuff to help somebody else and to show your love for somebody else and to, to shine your light and to, it's just stuff, the attitude that Paul had, it's just money. Yeah, I'll give it to you, God. Hey, yeah, I'll help somebody out. Hey, yeah, I'll use it to further the kingdom. If you don't learn how to use your stuff, your stuff will use you. One day you'll be an old man or woman sitting at the end of your life thinking, wow, what was the point? What did I do? Did I make an impact? Did I leave a legacy? Did I help anybody? Did Did I shine a light? Did I have joy when people looked in my life? Did they... Could they see God? Did I? Or did you just have two handfuls? Make sure I got my two handfuls. Don't let your stuff use you. Look what Jesus said in Luke, Luke 12, 15. Jesus said this. This wasn't no dummy. It was Jesus. Look what he said. Well, I turned to the wrong place. Where did I tell y'all to turn? Luke twelve fifteen. Yep, I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. That's what Jesus said. And he said unto them, take heed, or here's a warning. All right? Listen closely, guys. I'm about to tell you something important. Take heed and beware. Okay, I want to know, what, what is it that Jesus is telling me to beware of? Of covetousness or greed. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth? Well, Jesus said, take heed, beware. Your life's not about what you have. It, your life consisteth not in the things that you possess. It's not about you having more than everybody else around you. Life's not about the things that you have. More's not always better. Peace is better. Joy is better. Relationship is better. You're not what you have. You're not what you drive. You're not what you wear. That's not you. Let's close in 1 Timothy. Told you I wasn't going to keep you too long. We'll close in 1 Timothy 6. We're going to read the rest of First Timothy, and we'll read Second Timothy, and then we'll just go on until Revelation. Just kidding. First Timothy six seventeen. Look, Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, the young pastor, and Timothy pastored the largest church that we know of in the Bible, roughly twenty five thousand people over um, somewhere in Asia. And Paul's writing to young Timothy, and look what he says to him. Tell those rich in the world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money. (laughs) Yeah, tell them rich people. Tell those rich, because every time we hear a scripture about rich people, we think, well, that ain't me. So this don't apply to me. So before we read the rest of it, um, I looked up a couple of statistics. Check this out. I'm not rich. If you have three meals a day or the option to have three meals a day, if you want them, then you are in the top 40%, the richest people in the world. 
just the fact, and I didn't say what you would pick, anything to eat three times in a day. You're in the top 40% wealthiest people in the world. Right there, you're above average if you, can, if you got food three times a day or even the option to have food three times a day. You're in the top 40% in the world. If you drove a car to church this morning, any kind of car, I don't care if it's an old beater, you're in the top 6% in the world. Six. If you make $47,000 a year or more, and that's combined income, so if it's, if it's a husband and wife and you combine make that much or one of you makes that much or something, and I know some of you don't make that much and some of you make more than that, but just to give you an idea, if you make $47,500 a year or more, you are in the top 1%, 1% wealthiest people in the world if you make over 47000 a year. We're all rich. I'm pretty sure everybody in this room can come up with three meals a day. Even if it's ramen noodles. Something. I don't think any of us are starving. If you are, please come talk to me after service. And we will help you get some food. If you're really hungry. But we like to just write things off in our mind because, well, I struggle and I'm not, I ain't rich or I'm not blessed like so-and-so or I don't have millions of dollars that, that I could use for God or I don't have... We're all rich. Compared to the population of the world, every one of us is rich. We all have somewhere to go lay down our head. We all have... We're rich. So he's not just talking to those rich people. These verses are to us. Tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Money, it's going to be gone. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It's there for you to use. Paul's telling them. Tell them to go after God who piles on the rich who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. You want to really live? You want to gain life that's truly life? He said, Paul said, Timothy, tell them this. You tell them that if they'll do this, if they'll be generous, if they'll stop trying to worry so much about money that's here today and gone tomorrow, but if they'll start seeking after God and doing good and, and living generous, that they'll get to live life, real life, that they'll be storing up treasures that aren't going to just go away. What are you trying to say, Dusty? Choose experiences over things. Me and Jesse have been trying to do this for the last couple of years with the boys, even with Christmas and different things. Like, we still buy some presents and gifts and stuff, but we tried to, instead of buying a bunch of things, to create experiences and games. And instead of buying a few toys, let's go do something. Let's have an event. Let's, let's spend that money on doing things, creating an experience, because really that's what you remember. Things and stuff, that's not what will be remembered. For the most part, you think about over the years, you may be able to remember a couple of Christmas presents from the past or whatever, but that's not what really sticks out in your mind is what it... Every present you got, the stuff, it's the memories and the experiences. That's what matters. When I think about stuff, I don't get emotional. 
Oh, man, I had the most beautiful truck, and it just moves my heart every time I think of it. I don't get emotional over stuff. If you do, there's counseling and prayer for that. I don't get emotional when I sit around and think about things. Oh, man, when I got my first smartphone. Come on. I was about 10 years behind all y'all on that one anyways. It was old news. And you know what else? I don't have emotional getting stories either. Hmm. I don't have emotional keeping stories. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, the refrigerator went out and uh, I knew this single mom that could really use it and we got a new one and our old one still worked, but I could have given her that one. But instead, we just made a little space in the garage and put it out there and made us a drink fridge. And I'm just so happy we did. You don't have emotional keeping stories, right? I finally, we got blessed enough to where I got a new vehicle. And our old vehicle, it was older and it had a lot of miles on it, but it still ran good. And... And I thought about giving it away to this family in the church that I know really needed a vehicle to to get their kids back and forth to school and they only had one vehicle they were sharing between husband and wife. And I thought about giving it to them, but then I decided, nah, why not keep a backup? Yeah, that's what I'll do. And it just touches my heart every time I think about the fact that I kept it. I don't get emotional about things that I kept. If anything, I may feel conviction when I look at something that I kept. But guess what? I got tons of stories about giving and experiences. And when I felt God say, hey, give this to somebody. Hey, let go of that. Hey, Tithe that. Hey, give that gift to somebody. Hey, go give somebody your afternoon worth of time and help them cut some firewood and don't ask them to pay you. Just do it because they need it. Hey, go. I got all kind of emotional giving stories. It's letting go of what's in my hand. And watching God refill it. And when I learn to release it, even, well, I need it, but this is my candy. And God's like, give it to Him. And when I give it, then I can see God refill it. Are you accumulating on earth what you don't really need? Or in heaven, what you do? Is it about someone else? Or is it all about you? Is everything you do in your life just about you? The further you and your kingdom? Or do you do anything to help somebody else? To love somebody else? To show somebody else God? Or is it just all about you? Why is one handful better than two? Look, I can take this handful of candy right here. This is why one handful is better than two. Because if this represents my stuff, and all the stuff that I've accumulated, and these are tools, and this is candy, and, and God doesn't care if we have stuff. Like He wants us to be blessed and happy, and He doesn't care if I have a truck and a house. and all, Like, I can have stuff. But I just don't need to have both hands full. Because look, if I have one hand full, then I have one hand open. What can I do with 
I got an open hand, so I can come up and pat somebody on the back. Hey, bud, I'm here. Oh, you fell down here. Let me help you up. Hey, yeah, I got an open hand. I can be specific and point things out. I can point back at me. I can, I can point to God. That's kind of hard to do if both of my hands are full of all my stuff. Because guess what? Stuff gets in the way. Stuff. When I try to point at God, hey, look at, look at how good God is. My stuff's in between me and God. Oh, here, let me give you a hand up. My stuff's in between me and you. Oh, here, look, both of my hands are full, so my stuff's in between me and every relationship. My stuff's in between me and God. My stuff's in between... And my stuff's in between my worship. I don't even have a free hand to lift up and surrender to God. When I lift my hands in worship, it's supposed to be an act of surrender as I lift my hand. But if my hands are both full of stuff, then I'm not even truly surrendering because I'm trusting my stuff to give me happiness because I'm looking for an external happiness because I don't have the joy on the inside. So I'm lifting up these hands full of stuff. And they're blocking my worship. Why? Because ultimately I trust my stuff more than I trust God to refill my empty hand. I trust my stuff. I trust my, I want my candy. I worked hard for this candy. Don't trust in your stuff. The Bible tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let it go. Bless somebody. Find somebody that you can show love by giving to them. Money, time, talents. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Compliments are free. It doesn't cost you anything to compliment somebody. And it can make somebody's day. Somebody can just be having a horrible day and you can come up and tell them how cute their outfit is or how whatever. Give somebody, it doesn't cost you anything to give somebody a compliment. But it can show love. See, that's because you're living with an open hand. If your hands are both full of your treasures and your stuff, you ain't giving out too many compliments. Why? Right, because you're always looking to get. What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Not what can I give. So this Christmas, let's look for what we can give. Let's cultivate real joy. A joy that comes from inside that has nothing to do with circumstances. Whether things are good or bad or right or wrong or they're up or down. That we still have joy. We still have light. We still have the anointing inside of us. Because we have this hope. He died for us and we're part of the family. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for shining a light. God, show us the difference. I believe we've seen the difference, but help us to recognize the difference in happiness and joy. We want joy. We want to be powerful in your kingdom. And we know we need joy. That's the message of Jesus. Tidings of great joy. So, God, we won't be afraid anymore to let go. God, thank you for teaching us that it's better to have one handful with peace than two handfuls chasing after the wind and anxiety and stressing and feeling and pushing and fighting. So, God, today show us what we need to lay down, what we need to give away. And what we need to do with that open hand. As we reach out to our fellow brothers and sisters. As we, as we use that open hand to feed the homeless. As we use that open hand to, to be the church. And not just talk about it. 
to be you to the world. God, speak to our hearts and our mind. God, touch us, break us. And give us stories. Let the stories of our lives be told throughout the ages. That we would be known as kingdom shakers. Planet shakers. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thank you that you loved us first and you gave us your only son. In Jesus' name, amen.